0: Our scripture reading for today is Acts 10, 34-43. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace, through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name.
1: Well, this is our day, isn't it? Think about the World Series, the Super Bowl, March Madness, Tour de France presidential inauguration, all rolled into one. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is our day. And it's great to be with you on this Easter Sunday. Our church has been working very hard for this day to make it a blessing to us and to you, to all of us who gather on this Sunday. The choir has worked hard, the musicians have rehearsed and practiced, and folks have cooked and decorated and I would just like to give a big round of praise to the folks who have been serving and to celebrate God and his work in our lives. So could we just give a big applause and appreciation? Thanks. <laughs> Amen. In your worship folder that you were given is a sheet of paper, a half sheet, and it's sort of the direction in which we're going. And if you'd like to follow along and fill in the blanks and all, I'll uh, bring this to your attention and you can look at it. I really do appreciate your being with us today. Easter is Easter because of Jesus. If there isn't any Jesus in Easter, it's really not Easter. And this morning, I was thinking about uh, a book I've been looking at. It was written by a man who for years was the legal writer for the Chicago Tribune. He was not a follower of Jesus. His wife became a Christian. He was very irritated about that, but it eventually led to his investigation of Christian faith. He spent two years exploring it. With the result that he became a Christian himself. And he has since gone on to write a number of books. One of them is called A Case for Faith. And in this book, he has a very interesting introduction that I would like to share a part of it with you. We can only look at a very brief part of it. But in this introduction to The Case for Faith... He thought, you know, if I'm going to write about reasons for faith, I ought to talk to people who write about reasons for not having faith. And so he went to interview a man who had written a book called Farewell to God, Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. The book was written by a man named Charles Templeton. He's a very accomplished person. He was a cartoonist. He uh, was a broadcaster. He was an author. And actually, Charles Templeton had started out with Billy Graham as an evangelist. And was one of the key founders of Youth for Christ. He was from Canada. He used to go around the country preaching with Billy Graham. Knew Billy Graham very well. In fact, they remained friends throughout their lives. And then he decided, I need more education. So he went off to school. And there at school, he began to explore different aspects of the understanding of the Bible. And he came to the place where he rejected his Christian faith. Turned completely against it. And he wrote a number of books about that. He wrote, as I said, the book, Farewell to God. Well, Lee Strobel decided he'd like to interview Charles Templeton, so he did. And in the introduction to his book, he talks about that experience. And I wish, as I said, we had more time to explore all of it. But he asks Templeton at the end of the interview, and Templeton had, uh, he died in 2001. He had a disease. At that time, he knew he was going to die. He was weak. But they had talked for a long time. He was very sharp in his criticism of certain dimensions of faith. But he said, towards the end of the interview, Templeton's voice softened. And he, Lee Strobel asked Charles Templeton, And so how do you assess this Jesus? What is your opinion of Jesus, in other words? And he quotes Templeton. He says his body language softened, the tone of his voice changed. And he went on to say he is the greatest teacher to ever live. He went on to say he's the, the most moral person who ever lived. In fact, Templeton said, I try to live my life like Jesus. And so he said a number of things about Jesus. And then he said this, and I'll pick up reading. It says he was talking about Jesus and what an amazing figure he was. Templeton said he's the most, the best person I've ever read about or uh, met. And he, then he said this. Abruptly, Templeton cut short his thoughts. There was a brief pause, almost as if he was uncertain whether he should continue. Uh, but uh, he said slowly, he is the most... He stopped and then started again. In my view, Charles Templeton speaking, he is the most important human being who has ever lived. That's when Templeton uttered the words I never expected to hear from him. And if I may put it this way, he said, his voice beginning to crack, I miss him. I miss him. With that, tears flooded down his face. He turned his head and held up his hand to shield his face from me. His shoulders bobbed as he wept. Wow. What a statement near the end of this man's life. I miss Jesus. This morning, each one of us really has to answer that question for ourselves. How do you assess Jesus? What is your assessment? What is your opinion about Jesus? Because, as I said, Easter is Easter because of Jesus. And I want to tell you a fairly short story. It comes from the scripture that Jennifer just read, and it's in the book of Acts. There are four Gospels, and normally we look to one of the Gospels on this Sunday. That's what I have usually done. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the story of Jesus' resurrection. They all speak of that event. But then you come to the book of Acts, the history of Christianity, the early history of the church. And in a sermon or in a message that Simon Peter gave, he really talks about reflecting back now sometime on what happened that day. And I'd like to share with you from Acts chapter 10, if you will, uh, what God was doing in Simon Peter's life as he looked back at Easter. Now, in case you're not familiar with Simon Peter, let me give you just a little sketch of who this character was. He's the most popular probably of the disciples. And Simon Peter is the man who... Followed Jesus like Charles Templeton. Then on Good Friday, he turned his back on Jesus. We know the story of his denial. So he turned away from Jesus, but then later he came back to Jesus and became an apostle or a disciple of Jesus. Now, Simon Peter one day is at home, and and you need to understand that he was Jewish, and I think it's virtually impossible for us to capture the worldview that he had. Because as a Jewish person in that day, he truly believed he was God's chosen and favorite which meant that any non-Jew or Gentile, or dog as they called us, was less in God's eyes. That's what Simon Peter grew up with. He was as prejudiced a person as you can possibly imagine. He thought, God's for us Jews, and that's it. Too bad about you Gentiles. In fact, it was so steep that he wouldn't have gone to Starbucks with you if you're not Jewish. He wouldn't go in your home if you're not Jewish. He was that prejudiced, if you will, in his mindset. So try to understand that and appreciate that about Simon Peter because it impacts what I'm about to say. Simon Peter, we're told in Acts chapter 10, he had a dream or a vision. And I won't go through the whole vision, but in the vision, God says, Peter, what I have called clean, don't you call unclean. He just rocked Peter's world with this vision, sent his head spinning. After the vision... He got a knock on the door from some non-Jewish people who said, we want you to come with us a day's journey or so to Cornelius' house. Now, Cornelius is a Roman soldier. And Peter somehow agrees to go because God's already beginning to expand his mind. He think, well, you know, I had this weird dream. I really don't understand it, but here's this knock on the I think I'll go. So he goes. And he's going to the house of a Roman soldier, Cornelius. Now not only is he steeped, is is Simon Peter steeped in his Jewish belief, I don't do business with Gentiles, but you can imagine how the Israelis thought in that day because Rome ruled in Israel. It's much like the Iraqis want the Americans out of Iraq, the Jewish people wanted the Romans out of Israel. And here's Peter going to this guy's house because this guy Cornelius has said, please come. So Simon Peter is now in front of Cornelius. He's a soldier. He's invited all his family there. I assume some of the other soldiers were there. I think it was probably a large gathering, not this large, but, you know, maybe 20, 30, 40 people. And as he stands there, Simon Peter's wondering, okay, Cornelius, I'm here. What do you want? And Cornelius says, you know, I'm a man who fears God and prays. And while I was praying, I had this dream. And in the dream, God told me to get you and bring you here because you have a message for me. Now, think about what's going on in Peter's head. You know, if you're old like me to remember the Twilight Zone. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. You know, Peter, he's like, what is going on here? I had a dream. And these guys knock on my door. And now this guy had a dream. And I'm standing here with all these foreigners. And they're looking at me. And they want me to say something. He's on the spot. And I want to pick up with the reading of Scripture, uh, because here's what Simon Peter says to Cornelius. He's talked a minute, and then Simon Peter says, verse 34, Then Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Now you are sitting there saying, well, duh. Duh. But remember, I set the context here. This is a a mind-expanding moment for Simon Peter. I truly understand God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This morning, I want to share very briefly the good news about God. And the first piece of good news about God is God does not play favorites. God does not play favorites. Simon Peter says God shows no respect uh, or partiality. There's another translation that says God is not a respecter of persons. doesn't mean God disrespects people. It means that rich or poor, young or old, God loves us all like a great mom loves all her children. She doesn't favor one over the other. And so God with us. God loves us. Now you say, how is that, Steve? Well, it is because we believe God's creator. And in the creation story, it says God created you In God's own image, male and female, God created them in the image of God. So there's something in us, some sort of DNA that's right out of heaven from God. And God loves us and God respects us. And I think that's good news. God shows no partiality, which means that the reality is that God loves Mayor Bogard, the mayor of Pasadena, no more and no less then God loves the homeless woman who slept outside these doors a few weeks ago. They're loved by God. And that's part of the understanding we have of God that Peter gave here. God shows no partiality, whether it's across a border or across the sea. God loves God's creation. And this morning, I think that's really good news for us to celebrate. The good news about God is that God does not play favorites. And you can expect a fair deal by God. God is just and fair and righteous in our dealings with us. Now, not only does God not play favorites, but as Cornelius and Peter are talking, Cornelius is told by Simon Peter, Simon Peter, and this is the next piece of good news, you can have peace through Jesus Christ. That's the message, that's the heart of the message that Peter brought to this man. In fact... Uh, we'll put that scripture up there. God gives peace through Jesus Christ. I'd like you to read this scripture with me off the screen. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. I remind you that when Jesus was born, the angels in heaven said what? Joy to the world. Peace on earth. The ancient prophet Isaiah talked about, there shall be one who's coming, the Messiah, who is the, what, Prince of Peace. And God sent Jesus into the world to bring peace. Last Sunday, on this day, we celebrated Jesus riding into Jerusalem, not on a war horse, you know, not in an armored vehicle, but he came on a donkey, the animal of peace. And so, as Simon talks to Cornelius, he's trying to help Cornelius understand that in this person of Jesus, God brings peace to the world. He brings peace to our hearts. Now, you say, how is that possible, Steve? Well, at the end of the message, there's another scripture which teaches us forgiveness comes through Jesus Christ. And I'd like for us to read that in just a moment. Peace is possible because God has sent His one and only Son into the world to save us. And forgiveness comes through Jesus. Would you read uh, this scripture that uh, Simon told Cornelius about on that day? Read it with me. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, I want to just underline a word or two. It says something about belief there, and something about forgiveness, and something about a name. And the name, of course, is the name of Jesus. And it's through the name of Jesus and the person of Jesus that by simple trust in him, we receive the forgiveness of sins and, first of all, have peace with God. That relationship is is restored with God. And we have peace in ourselves, and we begin to work toward peace with other people. Uh, I'm excited this morning to share with you the same message that Simon Peter shared with Cornelius. Cornelius uh, loved God and prayed to God. He just didn't know much about God. And Simon Peter is sent there to further his understanding, to help him down the road a little farther. And he said, Simon Peter said, Cornelius, I've met Jesus. I lived with him for three years. I know him. I literally saw him after he died. And now I can tell you that you can have peace with God and peace in your soul through Jesus Christ. And that's the message that Simon Peter gave to um, Cornelius on that day. Now, it leads me to the last piece of good news I want to share with you, which is the best, and it's in two words, and you can remember them. God saves. God saves. That's really the message that Peter brought to Cornelius. Um, in, in this passage, he says the following, and I'll be reading. We'll put some of it on the screen. I'm going to read more than's up there. He says, this message that we're giving, the message of God saving through Jesus, this message... That we're giving. He sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, He is Lord. Verse 37. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he, Jesus, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God saves. Then he says this. We are witnesses to the fact, to all that he did both in Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. We remember that on Good Friday, the crucifixion. Then verse 40, here's the scripture. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to the ones who were chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. That's the key. God saved Jesus. Jesus was stone cold dead. We don't believe Jesus swooned or passed out or had a bad night or two. We believe he was dead. And God touched him on Easter Sunday morning, and only by the creative power of God was Jesus able to come back to life. God saved him. God saves Jesus, and God with that power saves us. Let me read to you from one of the accounts It's the, we'll pick up the reading from Matthew. It's the story, the women are going to the tomb of Jesus. And remember, the tomb was like built into the side of the mountain. It wasn't down in the ground, but more in a hillside. They had covered or sealed it with a rock. And the women were going there to be near the body of Jesus. And it's still dark. And so they go there, and when they go there, they see that the tomb has been rolled back, and it's empty inside, and there's an angel. I pick up with the story in Matthew 28, 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come and see where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. So they left the tomb quickly. And I love these words. They left the tomb quickly with fear who wouldn't be afraid. And with great joy. Could they really believe it? Is it possible? They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him and took hold of his feet. And they worshipped him. They worshipped him. God saves. God saves Jesus. And God sent Jesus... To be the Savior so he can save you and me. I want to tell you a story. I want to pick up actually from last week. We were talking last week about the Palm Sunday question, who is Jesus? And I was talking about how in our culture you see a lot of Jesus in America. There are all kinds of portrayals of Jesus. And one of them is the t-shirt that you may have seen that says, Jesus is my homeboy. Now, I'm not totally comfortable with that expression, but here's the example of the t shirt. I told you I'd tell you the rest of the story. Uh, in the early 1980s, a man named uh, Van Zan Fratter, say that three times quickly, Van Zan Fratter moved to Los Angeles from Texas. And uh, remember, I said it was the early 80s, so there were no cell phones. He was in the heart of Los Angeles, it was nighttime, and he needed to make a phone call. So he went into a liquor store, used a payphone, when he came out of the liquor store, a bunch of very young street gang kids surrounded him. They began to hassle him. Finally, finally, one of the youngest ones knocked him down. He looked at the kids. He thought they were 17 or less. Some kid knocks him down. He's laying on the ground. Pretty soon, a pistol is at his head. And he can hear the other kid saying, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. And he pleaded and pleaded with this kid, don't shoot me, don't shoot me. And he just just went on for for a minute. And as he looked around at those boys, he estimates 12 or more of them, very young, this kid with a trigger, uh, the gun at his head, the trigger cocked. He looked around, and finally, after looking at these kids, he locked eyes with the kid with the gun, and he said, Jesus is my homeboy. And don't you know, Jesus is your homeboy too. And apparently the kids didn't hear very, you know, he couldn't hear him completely, so the word kind of got passed around. What did he say? He said, Jesus is your homeboy. Is my homeboy, and don't you know Jesus is your homeboy too? The kid took the gun away, and they left. Now, Van Zand was later telling some of his friends about this story, obviously feeling pretty good about Jesus saving him, literally. And uh, they decided, we'd like to make a picture of Jesus, only we don't want it to be a white Jesus. We don't want it to be a black or brown Jesus. We'd like this sort of generic picture of Jesus. Let's leave the slide up there if we could. We'd like this sort of generic picture of Jesus. And so they got this together, and they actually got a print screen of this picture, what you see now. Now, they didn't do much with it, and in 1994, this print screen was sitting in a print shop during the civil unrest in the Rodney King era. And the print shot got robbed, so they lost the screen. Imagine Van Zandt's surprise when he opens People magazine one day, and there's this T-shirt with these people wearing it of his picture. And it says, Jesus is my homeboy. Well, he went through channels and found out, you know, who did this? And he found there were a couple guys in the fashion industry that had come across this screen and uh, began to print these T-shirts. He contacted them uh, several years ago now. They've become close friends. and. Van Zandt is spending some of his life with a foundation he started to help innocent victims of gang violence. Kind of an amazing story, isn't it? God saves. God saves. And this morning, as you sit there, uh, I had a question that I started with, the question that Lee Strobel asked Charles Templeton. How do you assess Jesus? What do you make of Jesus? And really, I can't answer the question for you. I can only answer it for Steve. But I can give witness this morning, God has saved me. Joyce and I will celebrate many years of marriage this May. Forty years. I can guarantee you there's no way we would have survived had Joyce and I, married as teenagers, not found Jesus and allowed Jesus to work in our hearts and bring peace and bring peace when there's brokenness, bring peace when there's fighting, to help us be on the path. Jesus forgives. He saves. That's God's business. And the good news that I share with you today is that God saves. That's what Jesus is all about. That's what Easter is all about. And this morning, I don't know how you assess Jesus. But I hope that you would assess and say, yes, I'm going to take that step of faith and declare Him as my Lord and my Savior, and I'll follow Jesus. I've written a little Easter prayer, and we're going to put it up on the screen and read it in just a moment. I want to say a couple things before we read this. Many of us today are here because we'd say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And that's why I'm here, to celebrate and worship. Great. Encourage you to read the prayer of faith with me. It may be that you're here and you're like Charles Templeton. You used to follow Jesus, but you quit. Why not come back today? Don't you miss Jesus? Come on home. Pray the prayer with me and make a new commitment to be a follower of Jesus. It may be you're a guest today and you've come for whatever reason. You say, I don't know much about Jesus. We most of all welcome you. We're so glad you're here. And if you feel prompted by God and God's Spirit to pray this prayer and to cross over that line of faith, then I encourage you to do that. Here's what we're going to do. In just a second, I'm going to ask us to stand and read this prayer. Only read it if you mean it. If you would rather not read it, we respect that completely. But read it if you mean it. And if for the first time you're opening your life to Jesus, I'd like to know about it at some point. When we conclude the service today, there are going to be some prayer team members up here to pray with you. And if you have any needs of prayer today, we'd love for you to linger just a moment so we could pray with you. But let's stand right now, if we would, and let's read this prayer, the Easter prayer, that kind of summarizes what we've been talking about today. You can read it off the screen, if you would. Dear God, I have heard the good news today. You do not play favorites. I have heard how you sent Jesus to bring peace and forgiveness. I have heard the Easter story, the story of Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead. Today, as much as I know how, I believe in Jesus. You promise that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I call on you now. I do believe in you and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.